Today is August 31st, and welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border, the Blackfeet, north of the border, the Siksika, Ganai, and Pakani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, now Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw, and Sutina Nations. We acknowledge all Indigenous that are First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status or non-status, across in Turtle Island as the keepers of this land. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I think I know as I walk the Red Road. My name is Michelle Robinson. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman. I was born in Calgary. I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, another very English name, which has afforded me privilege in a colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am the daughter of a Mayflower and the daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. Why acknowledging my lineage and where I was born matters is because even though I'm native and even though I was born here, my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My indigenous nation still roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people, in Treaty 11. I'm native to Turtle Island and my nation is a visitor to the area of Clincho Tine Indahe, or many horse town named after the Calgary Stampede in uh, my form of Dene. My cousins are the Sutina. So my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to thank Kenna, Sharon, Diana, Judy, Amanda, Nathan, Julie, Dustin, Amy, Ashley, Matt, and Joni for signing up. Uh, NativeYYC at gmail.com is where you can send me questions or comments. And as of today, we are launching, dun 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 huge news, nativecalgarian.com. Thanks to my husband working hard on that. Um, violence against Indigenous people is my everyday reality. Every generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to just speak freely, without interruption, without the tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, but sure want to tell me theirs, and usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. People who are gatekeepers that survive off the status quo, or people who are really in their trauma, and, um, you know, that stops people from doing good work and depletes a lot of the resources. Internal and external racism is a everyday reality for Indigenous people. I'm sad I needed a podcast for a boundary to be heard, but here we are. My hope is that my daughter, my granny, my family will be proud of me in the future for trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they can understand down their road. So I want to thank Dustin Fiddler for being my guest in my last podcast. It was uh, really great. I've noticed a trend that uh, when we have guests, we get higher podcast downloads and, and listeners. So I think I'm going to start focusing a lot more on, on guests to have on the show. So if you can think of a guest you'd like to hear, let me know and I will try to bring them on. Um, I also want to start by putting some cultural safety into action so that we can create a more safer, accountable place for Indigenous to speak, um, do something. Having good intentions is not enough. Take action to make change. Speak out against racism. Ask questions. 
of those with more understanding, find allies and create a support system for yourself that can help you advocate for culturally safe approaches. Uh, take responsibility for your own learning, read, reflect, ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from indigenous people because we live in a day and age where you can Google everything on your iPhone. Um, take time for self-reflection. Beware of your own assumptions and biases. Question everything you've learned about indigenous people and take a step to actively disrupt those stereotypes and commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. And I want to thank heretohelp.bc.ca uh, for what is Indigenous cultural safety and why should I care about it as a link. Um, internalized racism is a situation that occurs in a racial system like the Indian Act and, and Canada where a racial group is oppressed by racism, which supports the supremacy and dominance of the dominant group maintaining or participating in the set of attitudes, standards, behaviors, structures, um, and just undermining the oppressed group. So that's like, um, you know, uh, people who absolutely think the Canadian government is a, is a great system and that their own indigenous, um, nations are not when a lot of the stuff that we are seeing out of our nations are directly coming from the Indian Act, which is actually an um, oppressive piece of legislation that doesn't allow Indigenous to govern in their own ways. So, you know, I just think that, you know, that structural racism really manifests itself in a lot of what we call lateral violence. Um, I like to use the term internalized racism because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, internalized racism is an issue that we all face. Um, if the black people who were brought here as slaves also face that here, um, where the system was designed to have slaves. And, uh, of course, there was segregation from that, segregation in Canada from the Indian Act. So internalized racism is a, is a real thing that we fight with each other a bit about and, uh, see the wrong thing when it's really structural. So these are things that uh, you can look up. Donna Bevins actually has a really good link on that at racialequitytools.org. Uh, what is internalized racism? If you Google internalized racism or lateral violence, you'll find more information on that. Um, I found a really good resource from the American Friends Service Committee on the do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. And I know a little bit about this just from activism, um, even in Occupy a uh, um, long, long time ago. I found that when you start recording people, they change their demeanor immediately. And that happened to me just last week at KFC when I see a couple of uh, people really mistreat the employees there. And as soon as I started recording, then all of a sudden the lady turned into sweet as pie. So do make your presence known as a witness if possible make eye contact with the person uh, being harassed and ask them what you can do to support them move yourself near to the person being harassed if possible you can go do uh, and you don't feel you're at risk doing so create some uh, distance or a barrier between the person being harassed and the attacker if it's safe to do so the person being harassed uh, film or record the incident do take cues from the person being harassed is the person engaging with the harasser or not? Can you make suggestions like, would you like me to walk uh, with me over here? Can I take you to another train car? Can you make them leave? Uh, just follow their lead. 
notice if the person being harassed is resisting in their own way honor that um especially white folk don't tone police um the person being harassed follow up with individuals being harassed after the incident is over and see if they need anything else and do what you can to both be safe assess your surroundings um are there others nearby that you can pull in support working as a team is a good idea if possible can you and the person being harassed move to a safer place don't call the police for many communities experiencing harassment now including the arab muslim black queer trans uh, indigenous and immigrants the police can actually cause a greater danger for the person being harassed don't escalate the situation the goal is to get the person being harassed to safety and not incite further violence from the attacker and don't do nothing silence is dangerous it communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry if you find yourself too nervous or too afraid to speak out move closer to the person being harassed to communicate your support with your body so i like to do that i like to empower people i want racialized people to know that there are things that we can teach people who you know say i don't know what to do there's tons of things that we can do um internally we need to be self-reflecting on what internalized racism is and are we attacking our friend for the wrong reasons you know or maybe a colleague or an institution for the wrong reasons um of course the bigger i work every single day to dismantle structural racism um that's what we need to do and other people are so good at it and you know pointing out the legal issues there's many people i follow on that especially when it comes to indigenous issues so with that um i just wanted to give you a little bit about the last couple of days for me i was um, honored that dr rebecca sullivan of the ufc contacted me to speak at the international association of police women or women police conference and uh so there's policing, women police from all over the world that came to this. And it was here in Calgary at the BMO Center. And I got to see a few people from different parts of the world. And you know how Indigenous people, we make our regalia. Well, <laughs> they had fabric that was specific to their um, country. And they, they had these beautiful outfits from Africa that they had made specifically with the pattern of their uh, police in that of that uh, country and beautiful beautiful outfits and obviously you know like our regalia only more specific to their culture and um, that was probably my highlight um, I co-presented with um, Elise from from Pride and her original country people were there and it was immediately you could just see the aunties being like niece why are you here <laughs> it was pretty awesome to witness um, I also co-presented with Allison from Voices, and uh, Voices is Calgary's coalition of two-spirit and racialized LGBTQIA plus people, and uh, Rhea from Calgary Immigrant Women's Association, and Jody from Shift Calgary. Shift Calgary is uh, the only organization in the city that advocates for sex, sex workers and sex workers' rights. So they were the only um, nonprofit that showed up for the, um, the Cindy Gladue rally that we had uh, when the ruling came out, um, along with, of course, Awuton Healing Lodge. Um, so, yeah, speaking of which, I was actually, um, you know, third, fourth place suggestion for this panel discussion because 
Josie Nipponak, the executive director of Aoton Healing Lodge, um, had a commitment. Uh, Mural Stanley Vin from uh, Edmonton was having some of the, um, for those who do not know, we had major, major smoke issues here in Alberta from the BC wildfires. And I think that was affecting her. So, um, so yeah, my, my um, colleague, Dr. Rebecca Sullivan, put a call out and uh, me and a couple of people, you know, responded and one had already said no. So it worked out that I could go. Uh, so it was kind of a last minute thing, but I uh, basically talked about, uh, well, the, the actual conversation was Calgary's Gender and Sexual Equity Network uh, putting on the focus group of building bridges with vulnerable populations. So everybody talked a little bit about their experience when, with policing and, um, you know, uh, they asked, what is your relationship? And I just point blank said hostile. Um, and I said, that's why we're over, overrepresented in the jails, overrepresented um, in the morgues, overrepresented in the child welfare system. Um, I said from the beginning, the Northwest Mounted Police and RCMP have always uh, segregated us onto uh, reserves and monitored uh, monitored us with past system, and today now apprehend our children and you know card us dispro- disproportionately. Um, so those were some of the things I talked about and uh, how we need to implement many many reports. On nativecalgarian.com, we now have the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, which I implore you to look at the justice calls to action. Um, even in the White Goose Flying Report, like those need to be implemented with policing and bylaw here in the city of Calgary. And of course, that extends nationally to any other municipality that's focusing on, um, you know, changing the system so that it's more Indigenous inclusive. Uh, I know I've been to the police station for a woman who wanted to report uh, a sexual assault and there was uh, no allowance for support in the room. There was no allowance for smudge in the room. So, you know, these were things that we have to do as friends, as allies outside of the Calgary police. And these are easy, easy, low hanging fruit things to allow people to have a better relationship with police. Um, of course, a lot of stuff that was brought up was about the, uh, you know, diverse boards that there are and such. And I spoke about how incredibly problematic they are when they just have people who are hand-selected um, who end up on there and, of course, never talk about what's actually happening. So uh, on top of that, I actually got tone policed. And um, afterwards, I had a, a person that I, I have a lot of respect for, you know, give me some unsolicited advice and so it's told me about, um, you know, how inappropriate it is to, because I, I brought up, uh, again, you know, in Canada, Hitler won, where you get to hear the positive narrative of what happens when you do genocide to a, a group of people. And um, I, I totally got tone policed. And, you know, it was really validating going on Twitter and seeing, you know, native Twitter just talk about that extensively and, and know that, you know, I'm not... Um, you know, dehumanizing anybody else's genocide or experience by talking about um, the genocide that's happened here that's never been properly acknowledged or addressed. And um, I was actually, yeah, I I hate gaslighting myself, but it happens. And uh, luckily, I have a good support of Indigenous people, not just on Twitter, but in real life that I was able to access as well. And 
um, it helps a lot. It helps when people want to tone police you. So, and this wasn't by a white person, you know, and again, I think that I don't like the term white fragility or white privilege because it's colonial privilege. There are a lot of people that come to this country, new immigrants, Canadians, that don't understand our history, don't understand what colonialism is, don't understand the experience of the Indigenous person, and still feel it's okay to tone police us. So, you know, I, you know, I do agree with a lot of people that, you know, the terms are are misleading, and I think they are because some of my worst oppressors have been new immigrants that you know, are so grateful to be here in Canada that they forget that oppression happens here too. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I had a uh, couple instances at, at work. Um, there were a few things that, uh, in the, an email of somebody who like just doesn't understand their privilege to be emailing somebody's boss and saying, oh, well, I didn't feel respected. And, you know, obviously it's a white system for um, for this, for this woman. And here she's trying to tone police me to my boss. And thankfully my boss understands that, um, you know, these are very, really sensitive situations, but, you know, ultimately this is why people of color, women of color end up leaving jobs so quickly and, and such, because, you know, the system isn't designed for us to have an opinion. Um, you know, tone policing is so socially normal to women and women of color and uh yeah this is just an everyday reality this is the type of racism it's not um you know violence as somebody's hitting you but it is a form of violence and that is so typical so let's get into something that is actually um incredibly you know before i'm talking about subtle violence well this is real violence um yesterday there was a peaceful protest for daryl kevin smith uh daryl Daryl's family uh, contacted me and, and asked me to come to the Alberta Medical Examiner's Office in Bonas yesterday at 1. So if you've seen us, that's what we were there for. And this was their message on Facebook. Okay, hello. We are peacefully protesting the poorly investigated and suspicious sudden death of our beloved Daryl Kevin Smith. We are protesting in front of the Medical Examiner's Office where they have poorly examined our loved one. Our family is only seeking closure and would like your utmost support and invite you to stand in solidarity with our family as we spread awareness to this tragic event that our family is faced with. Uh, candlelight vigil to follow the protest at five at the location of, uh, basically we met in um, Connaught Park, uh, which a lot of activists would know is the place that we usually start the Take Back the Night. So um, I went to both. Uh, the... Calgary Police Service did contact us and uh, the Indigenous Liaison and contacted the family. And uh, he he also came, so that was good. But And it was good for him to hear, of course, what they're, they're facing, this family's facing. There was a loudspeaker, some drumming, some singing, um, a lot of conversation about the injustices. Colton Crowshoe's auntie spoke, actually, and... Stephanie English, the mother of Joey English, she spoke. Uh, Stephanie English is actually part of the family of, of Daryl Kevin Smith as well. And um, for those who do not know, there's a teepee in front of the Calgary court system right now. And the, that teepee camp is called Mokinstis. And it's being uh, led by Garrett Smith. And Garrett Smith is also related to the Daryl Kevin 
Smith that um, is being memorialized. Um, so basically what has happened is uh, they were, first they had the wrong Daryl mixed up. Um, you know, I was told that his ID was even in his pocket, so there was no reason to have messed up his, his uh, name. Um, when the family got there, the pictures they were shown were very different than when the body was transferred and the um, police there took pictures. So those pictures from the Pincher Creek police um, changed the investigation from closed to back to reopen. And uh, yeah, my heart is just broken for the family of Daryl Kevin Smith. There's a Facebook page that I implore you to have a look at and to like and to follow and to support the family as best as possible. Um, solutions, again, these solutions have always been available. There are reports after reports after reports about, uh, you know, implementation on policy that needs to be done at the federal level, provincial level, and municipal level, none of which, of course, are being implemented. And we've seen Doug Ford now decide that Indigenous education isn't a priority and took it away, which contradicts the calls to action of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which is a slap to the face of the Indian residential school survivors and those that were lost. So I implore everybody who's listening to start putting a lot of focus on those justice calls to action so that we can at least start using those as a baseline. The United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People talk about uh, different Indigenous forms of justice as well. Those are frameworks on top of the oodles of each, um, you know, province's stack of reports on changes that can be implemented to the justice system. Um, I don't want to have another family have to face these issues. It's not okay. I think one of the most um, empowering moments was hearing Colton Crochet's auntie say, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but after three years of going through their uh, procedures of ACERT and such, that family did not feel like it did anything except be strung along on the system. And she said, don't expect any closure or help from it. And um, I know that to be true after witnessing what they've gone through and witnessing what um, Stephanie English had talked about, how, you know, her her daughter's body still in the landfill and that wasn't ever a priority. And, you know, I see small things being done. Uh, one of our Métis elders passed away, uh, Marlene Lance, and, you know, obviously a shout out to her family, rest in power for the work that she did. And uh, the city of Calgary is actually going to uh, take the flags and put them at half mask in order to honor her tomorrow. And um, I think that is wonderful um, and incredibly important. And also equally important is acknowledging that there needs to be implementation of the justice calls to action at the municipal level. And obviously because the medical examiner is a provincial jurisdiction it's a shout out to the province to start putting that as part of your training and such as well so it's um i think what it did was it validated everything i told the people at the international association of women policing conference is that the violence our people are facing every single day is is a daily reality for us and because Canada hasn't taken seriously these reports that need to be implemented. Um, our people are still dying and our families are being hurt and being strung along these colonial systems 
that um, don't ever give healing or closure. So I think these things are incredibly important to address and to advocate for. Um, last night, I was lucky enough to be a volunteer at um, a reverse racism panel for queer people of color. And uh, that was uh, last night at Dixon's Pub. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful to hear different voices talk about, um, you know, the queer experience, but also the queer experience being a racialized person. And um, there were a couple of drag queens there that were hilarious about talking about using humor to basically point out people's racism. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to give a shout out to the organizer and give a shout out to all of the panelists because, you know, you inspire me. You inspire me to be stronger and you inspire me with your humor and your ways of dealing with these things. And, you know, it's just an honor to hear all of these people speak. And then when I was in the crowd, you know, there were so many people that I just absolutely love and admire that were in the crowd and we were all together and I almost never have social outings like that. So I just want to give a big shout out to the organizer for giving me a wonderful evening out where I got to half eat my nachos and I tried as hard as I could to eat my chicken wings, but I just was too full. And thank God that Dickens pub has coffee because I don't know if I would have made it. So I'm, uh, you know, it was a great kickoff for me for Pride Weekend and I'm super excited for the whole weekend. Um, I really implore everybody to come join us on uh, the actual March date of September 2nd to come with us. We'll probably be there by uh, 10 a.m., Actual March starts at 11 a.m. I'll probably be there earlier. I know Allison, who wears a hat with voices and with pride, will be there ridiculously early. So shout out to you, Allison, for the work you do, Elise, the whole pride board. Um, again, I want to say thank you for the incredible donation that you gave voices at Yuck Yucks last week. It was, and it, it's what is needed for sure for us to be strong and do what we need to do. And I, I just want to elevate our two spirit and our, our queer people of color uh, as much as we can, because I think those voices have been so marginalized for so long and it, it needs to change immediately. So if you're coming, come march with us. You can wear your regalia, bring your drums, bring your signs, bring your friends, and uh, we'll have a huge, huge march together. And I'm really excited for that. Tonight is uh, Unity and Uniform. I was actually invited by Mark to uh, go attend with him but unfortunately pride is so big and there's so many events he actually had to cancel out on me which i totally understand mark but i did commit to going to unity and uniform so i am planning on going but i also plan on going and and being honest about issues that people of color face our two-spirit people our our indigenous people in general we all are facing major issues um, i want to do a quick plug for my book club in October, we're going to be focusing on uh, Joshua Whitehead, who's a, a known Indigenous queer, talking about Indigenous issues, but also Two-Spirit issues. And uh, for those who don't, do not know, when I talked about cultural safety, I actually give Indigenous the, the floor first. And in this night, it'll be a little different where queer Indigenous will be able to speak first, then the Indigenous, then the LGBTQ2+. And then uh, anyone aside from that can, can share their opinion if there's more time. Because I think it's really important that um, the most marginalized voices speak first and are heard. Because even myself, you know, I suffer from heterosexism. Um, I need to hear. 
and and it's also uh, generational. I mean, I'm 41, and uh, you know, if there's somebody who's in their 20s or 30s speaking, I want to hear it from their point of view because my I have a little one, and I want to hear that so that I raise her in a better way. Um, so these are things that are really important. I really urge you, if you want to hear these voices, to come out as well. And we'll go from there. So tonight, uh, Unity and Uniform. Maybe that'll be, I'll be pushing my book club, but also um, Voices has a statement of things that we were looking for. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm just hoping that people will see that there's still more to be done. And, of course, the Justice, uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action and the United Nations Declaration on Rights of Indigenous People uh, frameworks. There's so much to, so much work to do. And obviously, I want to be a part of those solutions. So um, another thing that's happening is nationally, October 4th, Sisters and Spirit Vigils are are everywhere. And if you don't know about them, then look with your Aboriginal Friendship Center or if you have a local Sisters and Spirit chapter, go follow them, pay attention to that, make it a priority for October 4th for you to support your local um families that have lost their loved ones this is their day to mourn and uh and this is your day to show community support um here in calgary we're going to have our october 4th vigil and that's always down at city hall but we're also going to have um and this was initiated by stephanie english and the english family we're going to have a walk and she has called it calling back my spirit come walk with us and if you go to the Justice for Joey English Facebook page, you'll see a poster and you'll see a Facebook page that's made up. The poster, it has the wrong, I think it says Monday instead of Tuesday or something, but it starts October 2nd. That is for sure. And it starts in Pakani. And then it's going to meet up with the Sisters and Spirit Vigil on October 4th. So that's two full days of walking. So to say we need your support is an understatement. If you can devote some time on October 2nd or October 3rd, it will be needed. And of course, I implore everybody nationally to October 4th support all uh, families of missing and murdered Indigenous people. Um, we have uh, the women, the girls, but the Two-Spirit. And one of the reasons why I talk about Two-Spirit issues is because because of the taught um, homophobia and transphobia that the Indian residential schools taught our communities. There's a lot of discrimination the Two-Spirit face. And... Um, that directly impacts their experience on top of the racism that they experience outside of the indigenous community. And they are some of our most vulnerable. And when they go missing and murdered, they are sometimes misgendered. Um, you know, there's a shame about that. Uh, I think everyone nationally knows whether you're indigenous or non-indigenous. A lot of our youth homeless population are LGBTQ2 plus that were actually rejected from their family. And, of course, if you add the racialized issue, then, of course, that becomes more of a high-risk issue. So that's why Two-Spirit issues are so important to acknowledge in your acronym of MMIWG2, because they they need that honor. They need to be acknowledged as well. So those are some things coming up I really want you to support, and I hope that you, um, you know, tell me what's going on in your world. If you have an event that's happening, I want to support it. I want to give it uh, light on my Facebook page, my Twitter, and uh, of course mention it here. So I want to thank you for listening. Our Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to thank previous donors of 
uh, Kenna, Sharon, Diana, Judy, Amanda, Nathan, Julie, Dustin, Amy, Ashley, Matt, and Joni for already showing your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. Uh, for those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments and questions. And now we're on iTunes and Google Play, and we're launching nativecalgarian.com. And lastly, I want to thank my partner, my husband, uh, my lifelong friend, Darcy, who has been the producer, editor, and always encouraging me to use my voice in the best way. And I'm grateful to, of course, my elders and my aunties and my mom and my grandma who have taught me to be strong and uh, strong by their example, strong by something I've never seen anyone have to endure. So I just want to give a shout out to my families and my dad for teaching me to be you know, blunt. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. So I love you all. And I'll talk to you another day. Thank you for listening to Native Calgarian.